This audio recording is produced by Food Addicts in Recovery Anonymous, also known as FA. FA is a program based on the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. It is free and open to anyone who wants to stop eating addictively. The following is one FA member's story of recovery. The opinions expressed here are those of the individual member and do not represent FA as a whole. If you are new or uncertain about FA, we encourage you to listen to several stories to gain an understanding of what the program offers. For information on the FA program, please visit our website, foodaddicts.org. I'll start off with my numbers um, because I know when I came into program, I really wanted to know that people were able to stay thin. I didn't know too much else about what this program could offer me, but that's what I had been searching for for a really long time before I got here. Um, So I came into program, it will be... 10 years in July. It was July of 1996. I was 25 years old and my top weight that I allowed myself to get on the scale and actually look down at the number was 185 pounds. But there was about a seven or eight month period that I stopped weighing myself and I'm sure I was dancing pretty close to 200. 185 was close enough to 200 for me to look at. Um, and I'm five three and a half, and so that was a lot of weight. It was a lot of weight on my body. My largest clothes size that I was not comfortable in but would, would only buy was about an, a size 18, uh, 16, 18s, and they were, they were fitting. You know, they were really fitting. And today I, I weigh about 125 pounds, um, somewhere between 122 and 125. I'm still the same height. I'm 10 years older. <laughs> I'm 35 um, now. And, I, you know, my clothes are generally like a 2 or a 4, or I can buy those cute little girl clothes, which I couldn't wear when I was a little girl. Um, so, yeah, there's definitely been a lot of physical shrinking and keeping off of a lot of weight for a significant period of time. And that's just a direct result of this program and how it works. Um, I've been thinking a lot about my food addiction and I've been qualifying a bit lately. And I can, I can think about that particularly around what I felt like when I was in the food. It felt like a war. You know, it felt like every day I got up and I fought this, this food and I fought this battle with weight and I usually didn't win. Um, somehow I'd get through it most alive, you know, I'd stay alive and I'd go to bed the night before and kind of pass out and I'd get up the next morning and start the war all over again. And it went on for a long time. And, you know, there were a lot of casualties. The biggest one was me and my health, um, my physical health, my mental health, my spiritual health. But I, I've been battling with the food uh, for a very long time. You know, people have said to me over the years that I've been in this program, like, oh, you you came in this program, you were so young, you were 25, that's so great. But, you know, the reality is, is I had been dieting pretty seriously for about 20 years before I got here. Um, this battle with food for me didn't just kind of start, you know, six weeks before I found program. Um, it had been going on for a really long time. Um, I was remembering this morning, 
in my quiet time, like my first big diet um, that I went on. And I was in the second grade and I wanted to get into this outfit. You know, I really wanted to get into this outfit. And because I was already bigger, um, I couldn't shop at the regular stores. And so my mom and I would have to order things out of the catalog. And so I would go through the Spiegel's catalog and pick an outfit that I would want to wear. And we ordered it and it had butterflies and it was multiple colors. You know, this was the 70s. And it was like a puffy skirt. And we got it one size too small. And I dieted you know, for six months up until that party so that I could get into that outfit. And my mom would make these these little healthy lunches. And I started cheating then, you know, in the second grade, like trying to give my healthy snacks away to the other kids for their candy, but not getting as much, you know, and bribing people with money. Like it was already starting with the food. And I got, I got thin enough for that outfit. And I will never forget, I went to that party and the kids were like, ooh, you lost weight. You look good. And I was just like, hi. I was like, whoa, this is it, you know. But you know what? When that birthday thing came out, that was it. You know, it was big. I tell you, I can remember, and this was, you know, easily 20, you know, over 20 years ago. And I can remember, you know, in detail what it was, what it looked like, what kind of bowl it was in, what I ate first, you know, when that, when his birthday surprise came out. And there are things that happened to me last week that I can't remember, you know, conversations I had with people. But I'm a food addict. I remember the details of the food that I wanted. Um, you know, I remember it big time. And right at that point, that's when the diet ended. I ate that, I ate that treat. And um, that was it, you know, that was it. And I don't think I ever was able to put that little outfit on again. And the battle with the, with the dieting just went on and on. And, you know, I, I would love to say that I kind of grew out of it. And, you know, food was really never a problem again, but it wasn't. Um, it, keep, it just kept going on. And I just always had what I can see now is an unhealthy relationship with the food. And I use the food just like an alcoholic uses alcohol or a crack addict uses crack or, you know, like any other substance. I use it, you know, as the 24-hour book was saying today, our meditation book, you know, I use it to alter my reality. Um, and I used it really to be numb, to numb out, to not feel, to... um you know, I, I was very sensitive as a kid. I'm still kind of very sensitive now. And, um, you know, it was hard for me. It was hard for me to kind of deal with the fear. It was hard for me to to make friends as much as I wanted to. Um, it was hard for me to do those kind of things without having my drug. And, um, you know, and I, I came by this disease, you know, pretty, pretty honestly, um, there's a lot of obesity in my family, a lot of alcoholism, um, a lot of drug addiction, um, a lot of dysfunction and drama. I think like anybody else's family, I don't know anybody who has a perfect, normal, happy, smiley family all the time. I didn't. Um, you know, they're great people and they really loved me and they really did their very, very best to take really good care of me. But... Um, you know, they all had their stuff, and and it was fine. You know, if yours was food, if yours was being a little big, like, that was okay. 
you know, that was really okay. Um, you know, no one in my family was really trying to diet. No one was going to the gym. No one was exercising. Uh, my mom kind of started it a little bit in the 80s. But, you know, for the most part, like, food was was what we did. You know, we didn't have a lot of money. I didn't go to camp. Um, you know, we came home after school and we ate. Um, we had our treats. And... You know, holidays were about getting together and eating. You know, you'd get little gifts and, you know, little Barbies and things like that, but it wasn't usually too extravagant. But it was a lot about eating. Like, all my relatives, I knew them by the food that they prepared. You know, this aunt makes this, this grandmother makes that. I put in my orders early. Um, you know, food was, was how we loved each other, was how people took care of each other. And... Um, you know, I never really learned how to cook, but I learned how to eat. I was a good eater, and if I liked your food, I liked you, you know, and you liked me because I would show up at your table, be ready to go for it, you know, really ready to go for it with you. And, you know, it just really continued from there with me, and I just I figured out what the food could do to me physically, you know. I figured out that... If I was really depressed and really overexcited about something or really afraid about something, I started to figure out if I've got something in my mouth, if I've got something going with the food, if I've got a little sugar, a little caffeine, some grease, because I like things with grease, um, I can kind of walk through it. You know, it didn't mean that it necessarily now I know made getting through anything easier or better, but it sure felt like it at the time. You know, it sure felt like it at the time. It just gave me comfort. It just took the edge off. You know, I I used to say to my friends and even to my family members, when I would get hungry, my favorite line was like, I got to eat or somebody's going to die. And and I would feel that way. I would just feel like, like where is it? You know, where is it? And um, I... This was my thing. You know, I'd stand in front of the TV and stand in front of the refrigerator and just... What do I want? What do I want? What do I want? You know, oh, well, let me try a little bit of that. Okay, well, let me try a little, because I was a nibbler and a grazer, you know. I didn't do huge, big binges all the time. I just ate all day long. There was always food in my car, always food in the pockets, always crumbs in my bed. I mean, the biggest, I felt like the crumbs were coming after me when I came into this program, because everywhere, every time I put on a jacket that I hadn't worn a few weeks after I got abstinent, I'd turn that pocket up and crumbs, crumbs here, crumbs there. Um, It took a long time for me to even see, like, I was just eating all the time, you know, because I had this denial going on. You know, whatever is happening below my neck doesn't matter. You know, if I keep my hair done and I have nice makeup on, it doesn't matter if my butt's getting bigger and bigger and bigger, if my tummy's getting bigger and bigger and bigger, if I'm having a harder time kind of carrying around this weight, I could just stay in denial. And when I put the food down in this program and stopped eating addictively, I couldn't deny it anymore, you know, because there were evidence. There was, you know, wrapped up pieces of food under the bed and under the pillow and in the drawers and, you know, things that I'd be like, how long has that been there? You know, when did I eat that? Um, But I just know I, I had to have it around. You know, I really had to have it around. And... The food just became my buddy, and I, I got into, you know, made it through high school and made it through college. Um, 
you know, hovering in the in the 160s, 170s, and eating, and not seeing either kind of the emotional and psychological effects of this disease or my disease for me um, for a long time. The depression was really, really hard. You know, just days not being able to get out of the bed, um, looking for anything to make me feel better about myself, anything on the outside, any kind of possession, any kind of job that I could get, any kind of man that I could attach myself to regardless if that person liked me or not or was nice to me or not. You know, it was all about how can I get things on the outside to make me feel good about myself on the inside. And when the reality of some of the Nick poor decisions I was making would kind of start to cave in on me, I started to do my kind of weekend hideaway binges where I'd work really hard doing the week and I had these big professional jobs and I could look really great. I could pull it together Monday through Friday. And then Friday, I would just put on the dirty bathrobe, call the delivery guy who I was bouncing checks to because my ability to manage my finances was a mess. And I'd call him and, and then go downstairs to the, to the bakery place and, you know, get what would have served a, a household for a weekend, turn on the TV, get some movies, and that's it. You know, that's it. And I'd, I'd like reemerge on Sunday, you know, kind of back out in the world. And I'd go to work and people would be like, oh, I did this over the weekend. And I did this and I went sailing and I went on a date and I went to this show. What did you do? I'm sure I would make up some story. But the truth was, is I, you know, ate this on Friday, ate four of these on Saturday, you know. I mean, I just was like, not not doing what I wanted to be doing, but I couldn't figure out how to do anything else. You know, it was really the definition of insanity. I was just in this cycle over and over again and waiting for it to be different, you know, because it was God's fault that it wasn't different. It was my mom's fault. It was my dad's fault, my friends. You know, it was society. If I wasn't black, if there wasn't racism, you know, it was everybody else's fault. You know, that girl wouldn't have gotten a better grade than me. If that guy wouldn't have gotten that thing that I wanted, then I would have been able to change my life. Um, and I had fundamentally a pretty good life, you know. I had more than most people, but I was just, I was stuck. You know, I was really stuck inside myself. And um, I started going to meetings. I heard about 12-step meetings. And, you know, I was, I was in a bad place. I was bigger than I had ever been. And it was starting to scare me. You know, it was really starting to scare me, actually. I would go into grocery stores, and I wanted it all. You know, I would just walk down the aisles, and I was like, I want everything in here. There's not enough. You know, I would go to restaurants with my friends and manipulate that everybody would order all the dishes that I wanted, you know, and I was always ordering the extra plates. And even what I got, it still wouldn't be enough. It wasn't enough. I was buying food that I couldn't afford, you know, really high-quality food, really low-quality food, large bags, small bags. You know, I was, I was trying to get the right hit. I remember my favorite restaurant that I had got, they had this one dish that I loved, and I ate every night for like seven months straight. They had a fire, and the place burned down. I cried for two days. I mean, you, I, you would have thought, like, a boyfriend had broken up with me. I was like, what am I going to do? 
you know, my roommate was looking at me like, are you kidding me? I was like, it, it, it burned down, you know. And he thought, okay, well, did all the people die inside of it? Like, what happened? Did, the, did it burn up the other And I was like, no, I, I just can't get my thing anymore. And he was like, okay, crazy woman. Um, you know, but that's how attached I was, you know, to my food. I needed, I needed it. I needed to get that. I needed to get that hit. And I did. I, st- I did start searching. Um, I did know what I was going to do uh, to myself. I was, I was hitting myself. I was contemplating um, killing myself. I wasn't going to work as much. I wasn't able to show up for the one thing that made me feel good about myself. You know, I was always a good worker. I was a good earner. Um, I was a unbelievably insane overachiever. I did 14 internships in college and graduated with honors in four years. I was just nuts. You know, I was just like the kid, like, oh, you want me to do this? I'll do this. You know, like, whatever. Um, I'll do whatever. I slept under my desk. You know, I did some illegal things that worked. You know, I'll take you to your mistress, whatever. You know, I was the ultimate loyal employee um, because that's where I got my worth from, you know, because I felt like I'm so fat. I'm not worth it. No one's going to care about me. You know, I don't care if you're married. I don't care if you have a girlfriend. I don't care if you're a client and I'm not supposed to be involved with you. I'll do it anyway. Um, You know, I just started to lose. I grew up very religious, this high moral family, and I started to lose all my abilities to make really good sound moral judgment. And I didn't have much of them, but what I had was starting to really slip away. And that was scaring me, too. And so I started looking for help, um, you know, begrudgingly, because I really thought I could figure this out. I just needed the right diet. I needed the right diet, and that's what was going to fix me. I finally came into a 12-step program around food and didn't hear what... I hear in F.A. today, but at least people were talking about eating the way that I ate, which I thought no one really ate that way, except for my people in my family who weighed like 300 pounds or 400 pounds who were like my hardcore eating buddies. But they weren't showing up in a program talking about it. You know, they just were eating more food. So I I started to at least feel like, okay, I'm not the only person, you know, that has this problem. But I still wasn't hearing, like, what do you do about it? You know, how do you get out of this situation? And and, and again, I think I have to be honest. I didn't really want to stop eating, to tell you the truth. I just wanted to be thin. You know, I had that deal with God going on, like, just make me thin. I really want to eat as much as I want to eat for the rest of my life. I just, and I, I used to say, when I die, you know what heaven will be? I can just eat as much food as I want and never gain weight. <laughs> you know, and that was my, like, high-level spiritual goal. <laughs> um, but it was. I didn't, I didn't really want to give up that food. And so, luckily, you know, God knows better than I do. And I got led to someone who was working um, this program. And she started telling me, what she did, and I thought it was crazy. You know, like, how do you not eat flour and sugar? Because that was all I ate. I was like, what do you mean you don't eat flour and sugar? That's what I eat. And um, you know, it was like, it was the mainstay of my diet. And she said, no, there's, there's a way, you know, there's a way. There's a way that you cannot eat flour and sugar and not die. Um, I didn't believe that. You know, I really, I would dream, like, no, there's no way. There's really no way. I, and thank God, you know, like, liposuction really wasn't very popular. There wasn't 
um, the tummy stapling and all that kind of stuff. At least I didn't know about it before I came into this program because I sure would have done a lot of that. You know, I don't, I don't judge anybody who who has or is making those decisions because if I would have known about it, I would have been doing it. You know, hands down. You know, if there would have been a way to cut me up and you know make it look like at least I had some kind of sameness around the food. I would have done it. I would have done it. Um, I wanted to look like everyone else. I wanted to feel healthy. Um, I was tired of doing what I was doing with the food. I knew it wasn't healthy at some point. I knew I was numbing myself out. So um, she gave me this food plan, and somehow I just started following it. And she started talking to me about your weight and measured meals three times a day, putting my food on a scale. Um, talking to strange people who I didn't know in strange places far away from where I was living because I was living in Washington, D.C. And, um, and I was calling people here in, in the Boston area, you know, daily because we had a fellowship of three people. And I just did it. You know, I just did it. I don't really know how. I didn't know what I know today. I didn't have some orientation session to go to about F.A. and, you know, have people kind of gently explain the program to me and give me this kind of loving support and guide me. And it was like, this is what we do. We don't really have a lot of literature. Just do it, you know, (laughs) and read the big book and figure out how to make the connections and pray, you know, and just really pray and ask God for help. And I did it, and it really started to work. I think, like, I lost, I lost a lot of pounds. Like, the first two months, I lost, like, 13 pounds. And I was like, this is a miracle. I hadn't lost that much weight on any diet, many that I had tried to do for years, and, you know, still had not gotten past the five-pound mark of losing. So 13 pounds in, like, a month or two was revolutionary for me. And, you know, I just kept kept up with it and I have to tell you it getting abstinent was hard I think when I think when I've gotten to the point where I thought okay I'm going to break my abstinence I can't do it one more day all I do is think about that first week in this program when I was shaking and sweating and crying every night trying to give up flour and sugar and just I just say to myself I never want to go back to that place again I never want to have to a I never want to have to struggle with the weight and food again and b I don't want to have to get abstinent again it's too hard it doesn't mean it can't be done you know people come and they come back and they go into relapse and there's a lot of hope that it can be done but I don't think I have another recovery in me and even if I do I don't want to try because the food was really powerful for me you know I I have a chemical thing in my body or something that just has made me an addict mentally emotionally spiritually chemically and I need a lot of feel-good stuff to feel good and when I start getting my flour and my sugar or my alcohol or whatever changes that in me and makes me feel good about myself, I want more of it and more of it and more of it and more of it and more of it. You know, I used to say if all if there was this room was full of food, there wouldn't have been enough in here for me. There just wouldn't have been. And so when I put that food down and it was not easy, 
it was not easy going to the grocery store and buying healthy fruits and vegetables, you know, which used to rot in my refrigerator before I came into this program, um, or which I wouldn't even order, you know. Um, I didn't know how to cook. My sponsor had to tell me how to turn the oven on and, like, make meat. I was like, you want me to cook meat? Like, what does that mean, you know? Um, there was just so much I didn't know how to do, and but it started to work. You know, it started to work. It got better. The weight came off. I started to feel better about myself. I started to gain, like, some self-esteem because I would say in the morning, this is what I'm going to eat. And by the end of the day, that's what I would eat, and that's all I would eat. It was a miracle. It was an apt. I promised myself every day, you know, like that war was starting, I would... I'm not going to do it today. This Monday is going to be different. The war is going to be over. I'm not going to battle with this food anymore today. And those promises wouldn't even last till 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, because I'd see something and I'd have to get it. You tell me about something you ate on the weekend and I'd have to have it. Like I would have to have it. It wouldn't be like, oh, you can kind of negotiate yourself out of it. No, I have to have it. I'd go outside in my pajamas. I lived in this really bad neighborhood one time where people were like shooting into my dorm when I was in college. I didn't care. I'd step over the police tape. I was going to get what I needed to get. You know, I had to have it. You know, I had to have it. And so here I was, you know, a few weeks, months into this program and I'm not doing that and I'm losing weight. That was just unbelievable to me. You know, and I started to believe, okay, maybe this is going to work for me. And, you know, I started working the steps and, and with sponsors and really learning about the power of the 12 steps on my life, um, the power of the 12 steps to show me how to live, to show me how to deal with people, <laughs> to show me how to deal with myself. You know, I am my biggest enemy uh, without this program. Um, I'm my biggest enemy around the food, my biggest enemy in, in other areas of my life. And I also started, you know, really working them. Even when I didn't believe it, I mean, I'd pick up that phone. I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to tell anybody else how I feel, you know. And I'd be sitting there dialing, and I'd just be talking to someone. This is how I feel. I don't want to tell you this, but this is how I feel. This is what's going on in my head. I don't want to talk about it, but this is what's going on in my head. You know, this is what I said to my mom. I'm sure I should have said that, but this is what I said. And through talking to people, it helped. You know, I started to learn how to actually really behave properly, how to take care of myself, how to deal with my feelings that felt so freaking out of control. And I got better, you know, and it, it all got better. And the weight came off and God just has shown up. You know, God has just shown up for me in unbelievable ways. I mean, the fact that I don't feel like I get up every day and I'm battling with myself. You know, I'm not battling with flour and sugar anymore. I'm not battling with myself in the same way. I'm not perfect at all. You know, I have a lot of issues um, that I still get to work on. We call them character defects. And they're changing and they're getting better in some ways and new ones come up. But I have a place to go with them. I have the 12 steps. I have a sponsor. I have God. I have quiet time. I have prayer. I'm not alone. You know, I woke up this morning and I wasn't feeling well at all. I have some chronic medical illnesses that, that plagued me from time to time, and they decided to show up this week. And, um, and I said, you know what, it's okay. I'm not alone. 
God is with me. Whatever I have to do today, I can do it with the help of my higher power. And that is a miracle, you know, because when I was in disease and I wasn't feeling well, I'd be out cold, I'd be in the emergency room, I'd be strung out on, you know, tons of medication before it was really the right time to take it. And I don't do that today. You know, I do what I have to do to take care of myself, but I first just trust and pray and remember that every day I turn my life and will over to God. And I'm taken care of. I'm not perfect. I don't have a perfect life. I don't have all the money I want. I don't have all the things that I think that I need. But I have the life that I think if I would have been sane enough to know that I needed a sane life, I would have wanted this one for sure. And I'm becoming the person that if I would have been sane enough before I came into this program to think about who I really wanted to be in the world and how I really wanted to be, this is how I would be. Um, I can't say I'm the person I always thought I wanted to be because it doesn't feel that way. I wanted to be somebody else. I had so much fear, doubt, and insecurity. I wanted to disappear or I wanted to turn into someone else. I didn't want to be me. I didn't want to sit with me. I didn't want to love me. I didn't want to have a relationship with me. Um, I didn't want to have relationships really with other people. Um, I wanted to have a relationship with the food. I wanted to feel good all the time. And I wanted to get a lot of material things and a lot of emotional things that I thought would fix me. And now I don't want any of that today for the most part. You know, the most part I just want to be of service. I want to have a life that I enjoy. You know, I've been able to do a lot of wonderful things in recovery. I know many people come in and they think, I'm never going to be able to travel and I'm never going to be able to go to a restaurant and I'm never going to be able to, like, spend time with my family without wanting to kill them. Um, You know, I'm never going to be able to be in a healthy relationship or have a healthy career or a good job or, you know, whatever I I was so limited by before I came into this program. And I can tell you, I've been able to have all of that and more you know my relationships with my family members are better they're they're the same but I'm better and so I know that I can be better in those relationships and I can appreciate those relatives for who they are and connect with them and love them and let them love me that's a miracle you know and I'm making some a lot of career changes and that's been really awesome I've gone back to school and gotten a master's degree and and done it abstinently. You know, when I was in school before, I ate and I studied. I ate and I studied. And then I just ate. (laughs) You know, and the studying would kind of lay there. And the assignments would come in and I would still be eating, looking at the books, thinking, hmm, eventually I'm going to write that paper. You know, and then the night before, I'd be up, you know, shoving down the caffeine, shoving down the sugar, trying to get it done. Um, And I don't work that way today. You know, things, we get order and structure in this program that saves my butt every day. You know, and if I break things down in the pieces and in the ways that they're given to me in this program of how to do it, I can accomplish unbelievable amounts of things. But when I get back into my headiness and then I want to go back into the food, into the insanity, it can't happen. You know, it can happen. And I I stay abstinent because I do like being thin. You know, I like being in a thin, healthy body. But I also, I don't know, I just like my life today. I like having peace on the inside. You know, I like having 
a relationship with a higher power. I like having hope. You know, I don't know about many people, but when I came in this program, I didn't have a lot of hope that things were going to get better. You know, things kind of got worse that they stayed the same. And that's really what I thought I was going to have to look forward to, that I was going to be really fat, but I'd have a good job, and I'd wear, like, really nice jewelry, and I'd have, like, a dog or something. <laughs> and that was going to be the extent, you know, of my life. And everyone would think, oh, she's got such a great career, you know, or what people would say is, oh, she has such a pretty face. Too bad she's so big, um, which is what I used to hear a lot. And, you know, I just know today I don't care what other people say or think about me. It's what I think and know about myself. It's what the 12 steps teaches me. And, you know, I would just encourage people to work this program, uh, work this program the way we're taught. Um, I work this program like my life depends on it because it really does. You know, it really does. On the days that I don't want to take my quiet time, I take my quiet time. On the days that I don't want to go to meetings, I go to meetings. If I'm in a meeting and I don't want to share, I get my hand up. You know, on the days I don't want to pick up the phone, I make six phone calls instead of three. Not because I'm trying to win some little Miss F.A. award or whatever, or there's someone in my house, you know, being my coach telling me what to do all the time. It's really because I know my actions will change the way that I'm feeling because that's what this program teaches me. You know, if I take the right action over and over again, I'll start to change the way I feel and I'll start to grow and get to a better place, which I really want for myself. You know, I really want that for myself. I want to keep this hope. You know, I want to keep this peace. I want to keep this happiness. So, you know, that's what I encourage, you know, my sponsees and newcomers coming into this program. You know, in the big book, um, when Dr. Bob and Bill W. met the third alcoholic, you know, the thing that they asked him was, are you willing to ask something higher than yourself for help? Be it the group, be it a sponsor, be it another fellow alcoholic, are you willing to ask for help? Are you willing to believe that there's something out there greater than yourself? And, you know, and I know that those are the things that I can say to myself every day. I need help. I'm willing to ask for help. I believe that there's something out there greater than myself that can help me because it is. You know, and that's where I can start. And that helps me become honest. It helps me become willing it helps me take the first step every day towards that scale, to weigh and measure, to pick up that phone and to be honest with myself and with my sponsor and others. It builds the foundation that I really need for my recovery to stay strong and to stay what it is today. So I'm really, really grateful to be here. I really don't think without this program I would have made it. Um, I just don't think I would have made it. And I know it may sound dramatic, but it's the truth. I didn't really want to be here. I gave a good show. It sure looked like I wanted it. I wanted this life, but I didn't. I didn't. I didn't get that willingness to live and that joy that I have today until I got abstinent, until I got into recovery, until I really turned my life and will over to the 12 steps and over to my higher power. And once that flour and sugar was gone, and I was walking that, you know, that path, I started to see that happy destiny, and it keeps meeting me, 
you know, it keeps meeting me every day when I get up and say, bring it on, God. You know, bring on the recovery. Bring on life. I've got this program, and I can do whatever's in front of me. So I'm really grateful to be here. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this audio recording. To hear additional recordings or to learn more about Food Addicts and Recovery Anonymous, you can visit our website, foodaddicts.org.